Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning. Welcome to our sixth week of Grace Based Parenting. And I pray that it's been going well for you. And there's been a lot that we've been going through. And today is no different. We're going to talk about hope and responsibility and how those go hand in hand. But before we do, let me pray and uh, we'll get started. Father, thank you so much that you are a God who gives us hope and our hope is in you, Lord. And so we pray that today as we talk about hope and we talk about the connection between hope and responsibility, you'll give us clarity, that you'll give us insight, and that you will help us uh, know how to encourage responsibility and that you will grow hope in our hearts and in our children's. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so before we dive into anything, what I would like to do is just have you guys um, at your tables share a time when it was seemingly hopeless in your life, that there was a hard time, that you didn't know how you were going to get through, and yet God, in his perfect timing, got you through, and showed you uh, the hope and the grace that he gives. So, a little, little heavier, a little deeper, a little real. It's week six. Um, so go ahead and do that, and then we will return. All right, so as we return from our <clears throat> table discussions... That, you know, we, we, had, we had a great discussion at this table, and there were a couple of stories shared, and I'm not going to share them because they're, they're personal, and, and I love that you guys had that moment. But one of the things that is beautiful about sharing these stories is that uh, two things that I see. Oftentimes, we see that as God brought us through, when we inevitably return to a challenge that's similar like that, it seems less hopeless because we trust in a God that gives us hope, that provides for us, that protects us, and, to, and that sees us through. Um, but the other thing is that oftentimes when we've had these experiences, there's not just healing or, or bringing us through or breakthrough, <clears throat> but there's also redemption, right? That God redeems this in us and then allows us to help others in a similar situation, which is fantastic. Um, so let us do this. As we talk about hope today, hope is a really interesting word. And I, and I believe that it is really important for us to define words because most of our arguments or challenges in our life, especially in marriage or with our kids, come from this. We're having a discussion, a word like hope or something else is used in that discussion, and we assume that we're both defining it the same way. And because we're not, they end up over here, and we end up over here, and we argue over what we think we're arguing the same thing. And then someone else comes in, and you have this discussion with them, and they go, oh, I see, and they translate what she means and what he means 
And usually it's like, well, why didn't you just say that? And the other one's like, I did say that, right? And so the point is this. If we're not defining this word hope the same way, because language defines culture. If we're not defining hope the same way, we're going to end up in two different cultures. So what is hope? How does God define hope? If I were to ask you, how would you define hope, what would you say? Yes. A known expectation. Okay, excellent, excellent. Hope is a known expectation. That's good. I like that. I like that. What else when you think about hope? Okay, something you wish for, okay? So, so anybody else want to chime in on how we would define hope? Faith in a certain outcome. Excellent, excellent. I think, you know, we've heard, we've heard a couple of things, and, and this, is, this is what I would say, that hope culturally seems like wishful thinking, right? I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope I win the lottery tonight, which would um, right? Uh, but, but that's a wishful thinking. So if my hope is in Jesus, and we define hope as wishful thinking, then that's a little less than, right? But hope, scripturally, is like you said, a confident mm-hmm. expectation, or, or an assurance of something that has not yet happened, Right? And so when I hope in Jesus, I am assured of my salvation. I hope in my salvation. I haven't fully attained it yet, but I am confidently expectant that I will, right? I hope in Jesus' return. I have a confident expectation that he will return. It's not just a wish, right? And so when we talk about hope today, I want us to to think through that lens, that it isn't just wishful thinking, but it is a confident expectation, Okay, um, so let me see here. Uh, as we've defined hope, let's, let's look at the video. And then when we come back from the video, I want to kind of start to uh, process this a little more. So we're going to pause right now on our podcast to allow you to look at week six, A Strong Hope, and that video. So as we come out of the video, um, there's a couple of things that I want to point out. One, Tim said, our children's sense of hope is strengthened when we willingly start to hand over responsibility for their lives. That's on the top of page 64. And, and then he says this, there's two extreme views of helping children that undermine their ability to develop a strong hope. One is when we hardly help them at all. And, and if you look at this, when we hardly help them at all, that, that's disenablement, right? So go do this thing, which is like not really truth, just like, hey, go do this thing. But there's like all this like, oh, you're good. You know what to do. Go ahead. And, and it actually has this, this crushing effect on them. Um, but I'm sorry, I flipped that. It's like, here's the responsibility, but I'm not going to help you, right? And so that crushes them. But when we continue to help them and really go, hey, I want you to do this, but we do that for them, it has an enabling effect, right? And so there's, they never learn how to do it. So today what I'd like to do is take some time to talk about how do you 
entrust your children with responsibility and help them learn to live in that responsibility. Um, so we, we defined hope earlier on, saying that it's a confident expectation. And as Tim had said and instructed us, that hope is strengthened in children when we willingly start to hand over responsibility. So let's look at this, um, how we hand over responsibility. And what I'd like to do is draw a simple illustration of a square that's going to help us to see how we do this. So if we draw a square, and again, please forgive me for my incredible artistic ability. Maybe I should have Candace come up here and show us how to really draw because I am not very artistic. We're going we're to use these letters. P for parent and C for child, okay? Uh, So if you looked at the sides of the square, we're going to look at the role of parent and the role of child in each of these stages. So when we start on the first side, and and again, our goal in all of this is to, to learn how to hand over responsibility and help them. And as a parent, you have access to some of the most willing and teachable people. They want to please you. They want to help you. They want to be there for you. And so that's an incredible resource. And as you invest in your children, you're equipping them and preparing them for life. And you're, giving, gain, and you're gaining help that's going to give you greater joy than you've ever imagined. And if you do it right, a little more margin. So let me, let me help you. Uh, by drawing this illustration, and remember that as we go through this, this, this is the lens through which with, with which we're looking through everything. How do we calibrate grace and truth in each of these sides, in each of these developmental stages uh, for the, these children? So it's simply the square. And as we begin, we're going to notice that for the child on that first stage, there's high enthusiasm. encouragement, and excitement, right? Because here's the thing, it's a new task. It's a new, as Tim called it, adventure. And whenever we begin a new adventure, we're super excited, we're enthused, we're encouraged, and there's little to no competence. But what's beautiful about this is that we don't realize there's little to no competence, right? So it's a beautiful thing. So for a parent, you can calibrate grace and truth fairly evenly. Because they're excited to be there, they will lean into challenge a little more willingly. But it is always important to invest and give grace. So the way in which we're going to look at this is... I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. You might be, but there is a a simple pattern of uh, apprenticeship, if you will, and it begins with, I do, you watch. You guys are familiar with that? Uh, Some of you may be, and and we'll continue with that throughout uh, the sides of the square. But I do, you watch. So, you know, we talked about the cleaning your room uh, illustration. It is not simply good enough to say, hey, go clean your room. Initially, you have to say, hey, this is how we clean up. Come here and I'm going to show you how we clean your room. And they just get to watch while you show and explain 
how to do this. Okay? We'll use a, a more age-leveled illustration later on. So I do, you watch. Um, so in this stage, this is what we're going to call uh, unconscious incompetence. Remember, you might not have a lot of competence in this stage, but you don't know it. If you told your four-year-old, go clean your room, or anything initially, they're going to be like, I got it. Hey, you want to go drive a car? Yeah, no problem, right? Like, anything you throw at a kid, they're all over. But they don't realize they're, they're incompetent yet. So it's unconscious incompetence. So as we grow in this, but, but also we'll call this a freshman. I know there's a lot of words here, right? I'm trying to give you as many analogies as I can so that they stick. A freshman comes onto campus, whether it's in high school or college, and we have a term, term for them, BMOC, right? Big man on campus. I've arrived. This is my kingdom. I'm finally here. I got this. So high enthusiasm, high encouragement, high excitement. Unconscious incompetence because they don't yet realize you don't know Jack, kid, right? And that's why it's so important for us to do and them to watch because they don't realize they don't know how to do it. And as we grow, as they grow in this and they turn the corner into this second stage, what's going to happen is this. There is going to be waning, in other words, decreasing encouragement. excitement and enthusiasm. But the beautiful thing is there's going to be growing competence. And this is the stage of I do, you help. And it's really important that we start to give them a little bit of them doing, but we're really, we're leading. We're still showing them how this is done, and then we're inviting them to help us, right, with this responsibility, whatever it is. Uh, this is. This is a place of conscious incompetence, Right? Because they're realizing, wait a second, I'm not as good at this as I thought I was, right? And when they realize that, they become a sophomore. Does anybody know what the word sophomore means? No? Okay. Uh, it's, it's Latin. Uh, so Sophia, are you familiar with Sophia? Anyone? Sophia? Wisdom. Excellent, excellent. And, and then mora, which is where we get our word moron or fool, right? And so sophomore literally means a wise fool because their, their wisdom comes from they realize that they're foolish. They don't know anything, right? And so this is a sophomore, uh, a place of, of conscious incompetence. And there, there is waning encouragement, excitement, and enthusiasm, but growing competence. So as a parent... It is really important to calibrate a lot of grace 
lots of grace and not a lot of challenge, okay? Until they get to about here. Because just being here is going to be overwhelming, right? I can't do this. I don't know how to clean my room. I thought I knew. I just don't know. I can't do it, Mom. I can't do it, Dad, right? And so you're like, no, no, no. It's okay. We can do this. You can do this. Just help me. I'll do it. I know how to do it. You just help. You just help. Come on, right? And so... But when they get here, we need to start to increase challenge because if we don't, they'll never turn the corner. And when you're here, it's kind of like this. This is, this is the first level, okay? This is the second level. And when we get to here, because we're trying to get here, right? When we get to here, we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Right? Because it seems so overwhelming. Not because of anything other than, I just don't know how to do this. And that's why you doing it is so important. Right? Because what will happen is they will run from here to here. Not because it's better, but because it's known. And they will never push through to here because that's the hardest thing, to push into what is not known, right? That is why today is all about hope because hope is the confident expectation that this is the promised land and that this is Egypt, right? This is just slavery. This is the place I don't want to be, right? And so we need to encourage them and, and help them grow. So then we, we get into this third side, right? And, and this is a place of growing encouragement. Excitement. And enthusiasm. And what's beautiful is there is also growing competence. And in this place, it is now slowly but surely handing over the majority of responsibility to them where you do. And now I help. Okay? So it looks like, hey, you're in the driver's seat, I'm here to help. So as a parent now, you're looking to see, not, not too hastily, let them realize or make sure that they have missed this step or this action before you jump in and go, oh, remember this or remember that. Like, make sure that they've forgotten it before you jump in there too quickly. And as they lead... You're just watching, you're helping if they ask for help or if they go, wait, there was something else I was supposed to do, whatever. You know, you can help them with that. But as they go, really what you're hoping is that they're able to do it all on their own. But you're there to help as you can. Um, so this is a place now 
of conscious competence. That they know what to do, maybe not completely because they haven't done it on their own, but they're pretty competent. They know what to do. So this is, this is the junior level of school, right? And as a parent, we want to, again, calibrate grace and truth well, understanding that that truth, that challenge, can start to be on the rise, right? Because we want to keep challenging them so that they get better at this and better at this and better at this. And then ultimately, <clears throat> we get to this last stage. And this last stage is confident, competent, enthusiastic, excited, encouraged, right? Because they're able to do this. And this becomes the stage of you do and I watch. Because they're able to do it. But you're always there. Because you're a good parent. You're always going to be there, right? Uh, this is the senior level. And at this place, it is more observational, right? Here are things that I'm seeing. You know, here's things you could do. Here's things you're doing great with. Always affirming, right? Um, so the quick, the, the easiest way to describe this, I think, is to, and we've used this illustration before, is driving, right? You take your 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old behind the wheel for the first time. Oh, yeah, I got this. I've seen this my whole life. No problem. I've seen you drive. You're not great at it, by the way, but I'm going to be awesome, right? And they get behind the wheel, and, and they're like, they hit the accelerator way too fast, and they're like this, whoa! And then all of a sudden, they move immediately into the second stage. And their hands are 10 and 2. They're white-knuckling it. They're checking the mirrors every two seconds, right? And, but they're starting to get a little competence, but it's really this conscious incompetence. I am not good at this, right? And then they grow into... Okay, still 10 and 2, a little more relaxed, a little more natural, into that third stage, and then before long, they're very comfortable like we are, right? And they're competent. And so this is what we want to do when we hand over responsibility to our children. It is not okay just to say, here you go, have at it, but it is important to give them the resources and the tools to be able to to, to accomplish this. Or else, if we're, we just give them, give them a responsibility, go build a house. I, I can't do Well, I might be able to do it, but I doubt it, right? I'd need help for sure. You get crushed. You get crushed. There's no way. You can't give them something that's so overwhelming that they can't even do it. So if you're going to give them something that you know they can accomplish that seems overwhelming to them, help them. Do it for them as they watch. Then, and this may be two or three times, then it's do it primarily and they help you. And that may be two or three times. Then it's you do it and I'll help. 
And that may be two or three times before you can hand it off and be there as they do it. Now, this is about 10 to 12 experiences of this responsibility. And if I were honest, I don't know that I've done that with my children well, right? Usually it's like, hey, I want you to do this. Here's how you do it. And then, the next, and then it's like, okay, go do it. I don't even really stick around unless I have to, right? Like, that's not okay. We got, we got to be there with them. That gives them, because imagine, because here's the, here's the issue. If I do what I just did, I'm doing that for the rest of my life with them until maybe one day they get old enough and figure it out. If I take 10 to 12 times, they got it for the rest of their life. I don't have to, I don't have to, right? So initially, like any good investment, it takes a lot of time up front and it saves you a ton of time on the back end. So um, I'm going to invite Peter up in a moment, but before I do, any, any questions, thoughts, comments about this? Pretty straightforward? All right, well, then either I did a great job or you guys are not willing to ask any questions. Um, so let me hand this over to Peter, and he's going to just talk about another aspect of this that's important. And feel free to. Mm-hmm. Um, all I want to do is give you a practical application um, that was really helpful for Vanna and me as we raised our kids through this. Um, and that is a responsibility and privilege orientation. So just pretend there's nothing on here, but it really kind of fits really well in here. Um, You're going to have your children who are going to say, hey, I want to. I want to do something. And what you're really looking at now is what are the responsibilities that you need to have in order to have the privilege? And you're going to have to figure out what are the steps that your sons and daughters need to follow so that you have confidence that they can actually get that done. Uh, this is as simple as uh, controlling the remote control for the television. We actually had to take that away from one of our kids because he kept rolling over on it and changing the channels, and he would channel surf whenever he didn't like something, and other people were watching the show. So one of the responsibilities he had to have was to not take absolute dictatorial control over the remote when other people were in the room. When other people weren't in the room, it was okay as long as the sound was not annoying to the other people in the house. And so our son, Austin, had to learn how to manage that. And I took the control away from him more than anybody else because he's a real tactile-oriented kid. He actually wore out a remote control by pressing the buttons. Um, And so it was like, okay, you need to learn how to manage your own interests in, you know, pressing that button and making things go. Same thing is true with all the gaming. You're going to have to set some boundaries if you're going to use any kind of gaming at all because the privilege is that you are still a godly, wonderful child. And gaming can turn them into monsters and get them really angry. And so I just told Vanna, uh, we will get gaming systems. Well, actually, we will let the children buy gaming systems. We did not buy one at all. Uh, They started with the really old ones from garage sales, but I would make sure that they did not change who they were. And so the gaming systems became a test for them on how they treated the rest of the family. And there were times that I took the gaming systems away from them. In fact, I told them, you cannot sin using my electricity. (laughs) You cannot. 
So they just look at me like, well, it's my gaming system. I'm not going to take your gaming system away from you, but you cannot use my electricity. If you want to plump down $212, you can do whatever you want to on this. But it's my electricity, and you shall not sin with my electricity. And they're like, ah. And there were times I just, I'd give them a warning. You, you have to change your attitude. They didn't change their attitude. I actually unplugged the whole system in the middle of games. And then I stood in front of them, and I said, you shall not do this in our house. This is... you." The privilege is that you maintain your integrity and your character, and you have to have the, the internal ability to do that. And so we used everything as a means for character development. This was a really handy approach, and it was hard because it's called logical consequences. It's not yelling. It's not screaming. It's not just hoping that things are for the best. It's really about thinking through what are these steps. Let me give you one other thing about this, and then I'll turn it back to to Adam. And we can spend time chatting about what are these specific things. We talk about coaching and mentoring a lot within the general culture. And what, what the literature says is that coaching is setting somebody up play by play, step by step in the details. And some of you are going to be excellent coaches. The problem is that it's hard to turn somebody loose from that coaching because if you keep, the, if you're always coaching them, then they have incompetence. And then mentoring is that somebody has a base to operate from, and you're just assisting them to move forward. My wife is a better coach than a mentor, and I'm a better mentor than a coach. I'm more like what Scooty said. Hey, I just want to explain this to you. You should get this and go ahead and do it. And I'm assuming that one explanation, two explanations, one trial error will actually give them enough that I can kind of mentor them through it without um, having to do a lot of teaching. So what I want for you to think about is you start with coaching, play by play, down to the details. How is a bed made? How are dishes washed? How do you clean a room? How do you do, what, what, what does that mean? All the way to you're getting it here. Now I'm going to moderate that for you and give you some kind of feedback. You need both going on. So if your children need coaching, then one of you might be a better coach. If your children need mentoring, one of you might be a better mentor, and the other just has to step away and allow for that to happen. Sometimes it's hard to do both of those. So this was really helpful for us, and eventually um, I had a conversation with Audrey, our oldest daughter, our, our oldest child, and she said, Dad, I didn't feel like I had to rebel because you did everything that you made us do. What we did was we, we raised up this bar to this is who we are in our family, and here are the steps to get there. And our entire family tried to live consistently with that. So we didn't have a double standard. When you are old enough, you get to do what we're doing. But when you're young, you don't. And I'm talking about you know, watching R-rated movies or drinking alcohol or something. We just said we're all doing the same thing in our family. And then you're going to have to decide when you're an adult, what else do you, do you need to do or want to do? So that would be my um, explanation for you on something practical. Scooty, to take us home. Excellent. Thank you, Peter. I love what Peter said because in our family, we always talk about how freedom comes with responsibility, right? So as you're responsible, there's going to be greater privilege or freedom, right? And when you're irresponsible, there's going to be less privilege or less freedom. So, so when you have this system in place, then when they're irresponsible and you decrease their freedom, privilege, uh, take away, you know, maybe a phone or, or the ability to go out that weekend with their friends or whatever it is, 
you can say you are irresponsible, therefore there's, there's less freedom. When you can show you're responsible, there will be more freedom. But this doesn't affect our love for you, right? Our love for you never wanes. Our love for you is absolute. It will, it will never be determined on what you do. But your freedom will be determined on what you do, right? When you're irresponsible, there's less freedom. When you're responsible, there's more freedom. And, and, so, and that's the way that God interacts with us. When we are faithfully obedient, there's greater freedom, peace, love, joy in the kingdom. When we're irresponsible, God decreases our responsibility so that we lean into his love, not away from his love. When we as parents misuse this and we use identifying rebukes like, who do you think you are? Don't you know you're a scooty? I can't believe you would do that. Those are identifying rebukes. And what happens is it makes them feel less than. And we're trying to, like, like Peter said, this is who we are. We're trying to affirm their identity, not destroy their identity. And so when we misunderstand that in our relationship with God, then when he disciplines us and, and takes away responsibility, we may feel, because this may have been our, our relationship with our parents, that he's actually damaging our identity, our relationship. He's, he's not, we may feel like he's not withdrawing responsibility, but he's withdrawing love. And when we feel that way, we often run from him instead of running towards him. So there's two, two examples in Scripture. When Adam and Eve sin, they run and they hide because they misunderstood God's love for them. And God shows his great love for them in that even in their sin, he sought after them. Where are you? And then we have David. When David sins and he's confronted with adultery and murder, he doesn't run away from God. He actually runs to the temple and he worships because he, know, he knows that even though he was irresponsible, God's love for him never changes. And so as parents, we want to continue to affirm that same truth, that even when you're responsible, I love you, but there are consequences for your irresponsibility. Make sense? Excellent, excellent. Any questions before I pray and we wrap up? No? All right, well, today was definitely a lot more teaching, so I appreciate uh, you guys, and, uh, and we will continue to be very interactive. I would encourage you, as you go throughout this week, or even with one another at some point, ask, ask these questions. What are some responsibilities your children have, and what are some responsibilities that you could further with your children? What are more responsibilities that you can entrust to them? Because here's the thing, even though we're talking about this with one area, your child may be here in an area and here in an area and here in an area and here in an area. So you have to discern where are they around the square in this given responsibility? Because I may, they may be masters at cleaning their room, but the taking the dog for a walk thing... It's killing me. So maybe I need to spend more time with them there and show them and be with them and then, in, and then let them show me, right? Because I don't need to do that with cleaning the room, but maybe I need to do that with walking the dog. Does that make sense? All right, all right, excellent. Well, let me pray. 
Father, thank you that you love us so much that nothing in all creation can separate us from your love. And Father, we pray that as parents, we would be faithfully obedient, that we would be responsible, uh, but God, also that we would, that you would give us wisdom in how to uh, nurture our children in responsibility. And God, that you would remind us of how you nurture us and how we can walk around the square with our children. And God, I pray that you would give us the patience to do so, the grace to do so, and the wisdom to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.